0: All right, you can go ahead and make your way back to your seats. So our scripture reading this evening is found in Luke chapter 22. You'll go ahead and turn there with me. Luke chapter 22. Reading verses 47 through 53. So it says, while we, while he was still speaking, there came a crowd When Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God again we thank you for uh this day. God we thank you for um your goodness and graciousness to us. Uh God we thank you for um the blessings um of community uh, and the blessings of worship. God as as many of us have um read and and seen accounts of of revival that are going on in in um God neighboring states and even in our own state um in different places father we pray um regularly that you would bring revival um to your church uh we pray that you would stir up those who have already trusted in Jesus Christ and, and uh, uh god fan the flame uh in our in our souls into a fire god that you would give us a new uh desire a new passion god that you would give us repentance and faith Um, God, that you would give us a sense of the the mission and calling that you have on our lives. Father, we pray that regularly here. Father, we pray that you would... That your spirit would would move among our community and that those who are lost and do not know your son, Jesus Christ, God, that they would recognize their own sinfulness, that they would turn from that sin uh, and, and seek salvation, not in cleaning up their own lives or in religious observance or any of those things, God, but that they would um, be told the gospel and understand the good news that salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. Um, that that you would bring awakening and revival in that sense as as you draw the lost to yourself uh, and to your son Jesus Christ, God we pray for these things regularly, and we pray that uh, that the movements that are going on in our in our uh, our region and, and in the country God we pray that those things are authentic. Um, we ask that, um, you would do the work there, um, that you have to do. And God, we don't even, we don't even know what that is always, uh, always looks like. You work in different ways with different people in different places. And yet we know, God, that you, it is always connected to, uh, repentance. God, it is always connected to the gospel and it is always connected to, to worship of you, the one true God. And so, um, Father, we ask that you would, uh, for, for revival that is true, that you would continue to stir it up and, and, uh, and, and use that to draw people to yourself, God. Um, for anything that is false, God, we ask that it would fade away and that it would uh, disappear and not be remembered. Um, but God, we ask for revival. Um, we ask that you would turn our hearts to your son uh, Jesus Christ. We need that. I need that. My family needs that. This church needs that. God, this community needs that. And so we ask that you would do that. God, we ask that you would make us wise in these things, but also not, um, so wise that, that we see through everything. God, we ask that, that we would be humble in these things, but also not so humble that, that, um, we are afraid to point to, um, error, um, or, or things that are, are, are not lining up right. Um, God give us, um, wisdom to discern, um, the, the, the things that we see around us, God, and, and encourage what is good, um, to, to speak out against what is, is false, um, God, and that in everything you would continue to be blessed, uh, and, and people would lift up your name, um, as glorious. God, as we open your word, we thank you for your word. We thank you how for how your word works in the process of revival, how you call us um, to, to faith and to obedience by the Spirit through your word. And so we ask that as James comes and, and opens uh, the word today, God, that you would speak through him, that you would use uh, the message to minister to each of our hearts, that we would know you more truly and understand your gospel more truly um, because we were here today. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good evening. Um, Please bear in mind, I repair RVs for a living, so I hope you came with low expectations. so uh the rest of Jesus um it's uh, it's it's kind of a very peculiar story, uh, as you know much of the stories in the gospel are. Uh but uh one of the things that uh, Luke does in his writing uh is he ultimately presents a challenge to the reader to know the scriptures. Uh, Luke, especially as he writes um he will write uh hinting a lot towards the old testament uh he will write in such a way where uh he expects his readers to recall something from israel's past in order to understand what he's telling you that is going on uh with jesus uh, so uh with Luke. Uh, as he is hinting at the Old Testament, what he is showing his readers is that the Old Testament is a shadow. Uh, it is Christ's shadow. That's ultimately, uh, what is presented in the Old Testament. Uh, and hopefully, um, you know, I'll be able to, to make that more clear, uh, through this message tonight. Um, you know, but think about it like this. If you're standing in an alleyway, and out in the main street uh you notice that there's a shadow of a figure standing there and since you're standing in the alleyway all you're going to see is that shadow to see what the figure is that's casting the shadow you've got to come out of the alleyway um and uh you know just the idea of being the old testament being that alleyway and uh the the new testament uh, ultimately uh being stepping out of that alleyway and seeing jesus uh what what you viewed only in shadow form uh from the alleyway so um uh, and and you you see that especially uh with this uh presentation that luke gives of the arrest of jesus um uh, all four gospel accounts uh make mention of the arrest of Christ uh, and it's it's interesting to go through and read all four um, and when you do that you get this understanding that it's it's quite an event that takes place um, all the writers have uh, differing perspectives that they show about what happened during this event uh, but Luke writes about it in a particular way uh, to uh, in a sense hint at a particular situation that occurred in Israel's history. Um, but what we're going to do right now uh, is we're going to take a look at uh, this arrest of Jesus. Uh, so uh, some things to bear in mind. In Luke 22, three, there's mention that Satan has entered Judas. Now keep that in mind. Um, so Satan has entered Judas in Luke 22, three. Uh, And then um, this event of the arrest takes place at the Mount of Olives. Uh, uh, What John mentions is that uh, before going to the Mount of Olives, they cross the Brook Kidron. Um, So keep that in mind as well. Uh, So this takes place on the Mount of Olives after they have crossed the Brook Kidron. Uh, And then uh, so a crowd comes forward. Uh, a crowd comes to arrest Jesus. And now Luke mentions that it is, this crowd is made up of, uh, of course, Judas leading the way. And you have the chief priests, the officers, and the elders. Uh, that's who Luke mentions. Uh, but in Mark, you find out uh, that also scribes were present um, with this group. And in John, you find out uh, that even uh, Roman soldiers and Pharisees were present with this crowd. Uh, that has come with Judas. Uh, and in a sense, uh, you could say that it's, uh, representatives of the entire world, uh, coming upon, uh, the Christ to arrest him. Um, that's kind of the, the, the imagery that's coming across there. Um, now, uh, so, uh, Judas is leading the way. Um, you know, Judas, who, uh, you know, you can say is ultimately, uh, being uh, led by Satan is leading this group to arrest jesus um, you know judas uh as they constantly mention that uh he has betrayed christ um they keep mentioning that uh just to emphasize the fact that he was jesus's friend he was very much a close friend of Jesus uh, who has followed him for the past three years um, and so uh you know, that brings up a good question. You know, why would Judas do this? Why would Judas betray the Christ like this? Uh, and uh, we don't know really too much. And uh, just kind of my speculations on the matter, uh, which, you know, please uh, just keep them as that. Um, but uh, what I believe is going on, Judas is described as a lover of money. Um, and he seems to have some frustrations with, how, uh, the ministry is going. Um, and, uh, you know, it seems as though, uh, you know, Judas has possibly come to the conclusions that maybe Jesus is not the promised king. You know, maybe not. Um, so Jesus, you know, he seems like, you know, Jesus is obviously a great prophet, but he doesn't seem very kingly. Um, so it's, it's, uh, he's, uh, you know, Judas doesn't see anything, uh, glorious about, uh, the life he's living with Jesus. And so he probably just wants out of that ministry. Uh, maybe he can use the betrayal money to go set himself up somewhere and start a new life. Um, you know, and try to work to become a wealthy man. Um, uh, but either way, uh, he takes this opportunity to betray, to betray Jesus and, uh, in, in Matthew 27, 3, it says, uh, then when Judas, his betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Um, so I believe that in Judas's mind, he figured he could betray Jesus, but that they wouldn't be able to find anything guilty with Jesus. You know, he's, he's been with Jesus for three years. He's seen many folks try to test and try Jesus. Um, you know, he knows. Jesus in uh, his innocence. Um, and so Judas probably firmly believes that they're not going to be able to convict him of anything. So, you know, if he's going to uh, break away from this ministry, maybe he can make some money off of this, but in the end, he knows nothing's going to happen. Uh, well, when he notices that, um, you know, Jesus has actually been condemned, his plans have failed and out of regret, he goes and he hangs himself. Um, you know, we see that in uh, the gospel accounts. Um, so uh, in this event of the arrest, Judas comes and he comes to kiss Jesus. Uh, Luke doesn't mention that um, there's a, a, a plot here. Uh, Judas has uh, worked out um, that he would reveal who Jesus is through a kiss. Um, so uh, and what it says here is, um, that Judas comes to kiss Jesus, uh, and I believe uh you know what Luke uh would probably like us to recall is uh, Psalm chapter two verse twelve, uh, where it says, "Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him um, and uh if you uh, if you can recall. Uh, there's only one other person mentioned in Luke who actually kissed Jesus. Uh, and that's in Luke 7 of the, uh, it's, it's the woman of the city who was considered a sinful woman. Uh, when Jesus sits at, uh, meets with the, the Pharisee at his house, uh, he mentions that this Pharisee uh, has given him no kiss. Um, now I know that all sounds odd, uh, to, you know, many of us, uh, our society has sadly um sought to sexualize everything. Um, but uh to to kiss somebody uh is to greet them or to show them honor, uh honor and respect. And so what Jesus is saying at the house of the Pharisee, the Pharisee gave him no kiss, showed him no respect whatsoever. Uh, but this woman who was considered a sinner uh constantly kissed Jesus's feet. Um, she is the only person that we see who actually is seeking refuge in Christ. You know, who's actually following along with what Psalm 2 says, to kiss the son, uh, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Uh, you know, blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Uh, that also goes to Judas's shame. Judas does not kiss Christ to honor him. He kisses him as a sign of betrayal. Um, so, uh, you know, and Jesus says, uh, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? Um, and surely he does. So uh, the woman from Luke seven, she takes refuge in Jesus. Judas, we see he takes refuge in money. Um, and we see what all that costs. Uh, all right, page two. All right, so uh, next in the scene, we see that the disciples step up and they are ready to fight. They see what's happening. They see that this group, this crowd has come to arrest Jesus. So the disciples step up and they are ready to fight. Uh, and uh, Matthew uh, would quote Peter as saying, uh, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Uh, what Peter has in mind there, of course, is he would fight to the death for Jesus, but that's not what Jesus' ministry is. Jesus has not come to take anything by force; he has come to sacrifice himself. Um, so Peter, uh, it's it's this idea of uh, you know uh, dying in battle versus dying in execution. Peter was not willing to die side by side with his Lord. Uh, now, in God's providence, that was to set up Peter uh, as a rock for the church, um, you know, that we would find later uh, in Acts. Uh, but uh, so what we see here is uh, this intention of the disciples to fight for Jesus. Uh, and what we see happen is uh, Peter swings his sword and happens to cut off the ear of the high priest servant. Uh, now, uh, I, I highly doubt that Peter jumped on this guy, took out his sword and tried to saw his ear. Um, I think just in a peculiar act of providence, Peter sought to behead the high priest servant and somehow graze the side of his head, slicing off his ear. Um, so I, I believe what, what is happening there is Peter goes for a beheading death blow. Uh, and Jesus puts a stop to it. You know, he, uh, um, you know, it says in the text, no more of this, um, Jesus stops it. And then he heals the servant of the high priest's ear. Uh, now, uh, one thing, um, you know, one thing I believe, uh, Luke is trying to, uh, present in that particular scene, uh, is you, you see in Luke, oftentimes he talks about having ears to hear. Uh, so I believe that Luke uh, presents this situation, uh, and, uh, also the mentioning of characters, uh, presents this kind of irony. Um, you have this, uh, servant of the high priest who obviously did not have spiritual ears to hear, which is why he is with a crowd coming to arrest the Christ. Uh, so now, uh, who is actually the true high priest in this scene? You know, it's Jesus, and his servants appear to not have ears to hear, which is why they are cutting ears off in this scene. Um, and so uh, what does it show Jesus doing? It shows that Jesus is um, giving ears to hear. Um, you know through this presentation of Jesus physically healing the high priest servant's ear. Uh, it's showing um uh, in in physical form what his uh true ministry is, and that's to give ears to hear uh, you know so uh it's you know not only that uh but it's his enemy you know the high priest's servant is jesus's enemy and he is reaching down to give his enemy ears to hear. And then, uh, you know, don't miss, uh, the fact that this is all taking place in a garden. Um, again, you know, Judas with Satan who has entered him, Judas, uh, you know, it's, it's Satan coming to attack this, uh, this Jesus, um, who is like a second Adam. Um, if you remember, uh, the account, uh, in, uh, in Genesis of the fall of man, uh, what happens in the Garden of Eden, Is you have, uh, Satan coming to attack Eve and Adam standing by doing nothing to defend her. And so, uh, you know, the way that things should have gone in the garden is that Adam would have fed Eve fruit under God's instruction. Instead, what we see is Eve is feeding Adam fruit under Satan's instruction. Uh, and so the account of the fall of man uh, is a, a situation that has placed all of humanity uh, in sonship to Satan. You know, that, that is the fall of man. Humanity are sons of Satan, and Jesus needs to come to rescue and make sons of God to, uh, you know, as Ash had talked about with uh, adoption. Um, you know, the work of Christ is to come to uh, take sons of Satan and to adopt them to become sons of God. Uh, and so, um, you know, what you see with this act in the garden is Jesus um, fighting back. You know, Jesus being victorious in the garden where Adam has failed. You know, Jesus standing up for his bride. You know, Jesus going to lay down his life for his bride. I'm sorry, I'm lost all all through my notes. All right, so then uh, in in this account, we see uh, that Jesus then confronts the Jewish leaders. Um, You know, what have they done? They have come in the cover of darkness to arrest him. Um, you know this being a picture of how the jewish leaders are lovers of darkness uh now it's not the sense in which um darkness is equal to that of what is evil uh you know darkness is just a a, a beginning of things so to speak uh if you uh, the 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 biblical understanding of darkness is things start in darkness and god takes things to light uh, and you see that in, in the beginning, the world is formed in darkness and then God creates light. Uh, as the days go by in creation, there is evening and then there is morning from darkness to light. And so lovers of darkness are those who uh, are embracing um, their own way and not trying to embrace God's work. You know, God's work is that of bringing, uh, bringing things from darkness to light. Uh, and so that is the power of darkness. If you choose to embrace your own way and not the Lord's way, you may find yourself uh, going to arrest the son of man and try to put him to death. Those who are live in dark, those who live in darkness uh, are absolute fools. Uh, and it's also uh, kind of interesting here uh, where Jesus says, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? Well, I mean, the irony is Jesus is a robber. You know, he has come to plunder Satan's house. Uh, you know, those are, those are in his own words. Um, and so they have, uh, the, the chief priests and the officers and the elders, um, they have come out, uh, with weapons, uh, under covers of dark, under the cover of darkness, um, because they are, uh, lovers of darkness and not lovers of light. Um, now, uh, so in this particular story, uh, you know, what exactly is Luke hinting at in Israel's history? You know, what is it in the Old Testament uh, that Luke is, uh, you know, hinting at uh, with the, his account of the arrest of Jesus? Um, and uh, I believe what he is doing is um, presenting this in such a way for us to recall uh, Absalom's rebellion. Um, and so uh just to uh summarize that account for you uh, Absalom's rebellion found in 2nd Samuel chapters 15 through 19 uh, and you see uh Absalom was King David's son and Absalom thought uh Absalom sought to overthrow his father and take his father's kingdom um, so uh we see with Absalom that he would, uh, he would wait at, uh, the gate where people would often travel who would seek the king to judge, uh, particular disputes and cases. What Absalom would do is he would, uh, rise early in the morning and receive those people and hear and judge their cases. Uh, and the, the scriptures, uh, present it like this. Uh, it says, and whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel uh, so Absalom being as a kind of a Satan figure, uh, he is working to steal the hearts of the men of Israel um, and then um, uh, and so, you know, there's that reference there to a kiss. He is betraying his father with a kiss. Um, and then, so when Absalom's rebellion starts, David flees with his servants. And it mentions that, uh, David and his servants, they cross the Brook Kidron. Uh, as they cross the Brook, the Brook Kidron, they go to the Mount of Olives, uh, weeping as they go. Uh, and then, um, during this time, David finds out that his own counsellor Ahithophel uh has um betrayed him and now works for Absalom as Absalom's counselor um, and Then David and his servants are met uh by uh, a man named Ziba, who gives them donkeys to ride and bread and ra- and bread and wine to lift their spirits uh you know what does that remind you of uh and then uh, while they travel, there is a man who stops them to curse David. And one of David's followers, Abishai, offers to cut that man's head off. I mean, that's what he says. You know, he says, do you want me to behead this man? And David says, no, no, do not. Do not harm that guy. You are not to cut his head off. Um, and then uh when David's former counselor, Ahithophel, Realizes that he made the wrong choice to serve Absalom, he goes and he hangs himself. And then Absalom, uh, he brings an army to battle, and uh, they get defeated by David and his servants. And while Absalom flees, uh, he gets caught and hung and killed on a tree. You know the scriptures uh, present it as he is suspended between heaven and earth, uh, hung on a tree. Um, and then he is put to death there. Uh, and then uh, that death results in the return of the true king to Israel. You know, there was a death that brought peace to Israel. Um, and so, uh you know, what I believe uh, Luke is trying to get you and I to realize is that this Jesus is the true fulfillment of Israel. Uh, you know, in this situation, uh, with Absalom where, uh, this, uh, Satan figure has worked a rebellion and gotten all the hearts of Israel to turn against its true king. Uh, in the end, what can we expect? That rebellion is going to be squashed and the true king will return. Jesus is the true fulfillment of Israel. Israel's entire history is Jesus' shadow. And in understanding that, we know that Jesus is this son that we need to kiss and take refuge in. So Jesus, he has come to take from Satan what is rightfully his, and so that he can give them ears to hear and so let us hear, let us kiss the son and let us take refuge in him. And please bow your head in prayer. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, uh, I ask that your word uh, would go forth uh, to strengthen and to comfort and to inspire uh, and to encourage. Lord, I ask that you would continue to uh, strengthen us as a people in your word, that we would come to uh, delight and treasure your word. And so see more of the fullness of your glory, that our lives would be impacted uh, and that we, uh, would ultimately uh, go forth with ears to hear, uh, giving others ears to hear. Lord, strengthen us in this task. Uh, continue to strengthen and build up this church. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Please stand and sing as we close up the service this evening. I once was lost in darkest night. Yet, thought I knew the way. The sin that brought up this joy and life. Had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you could go a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran, My hell-bound race, indifferent to the cross. You looked upon my helpless state, and led me to the cross. And I beat out God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath. Reserved for me, now all i do is pray. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. all I have is Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus is my How, Lord, I would be your son and live so long might I'd see the strength to follow your commands to never come from me the Father, I'm ransom like in any way. And let my song forever be my only hope is you. Hallelujah, all thy heart is great. Hallelujah, It's a great. I believe. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus sees my only.
0: Amen. Uh, thank you, James. So something, and we've talked about this some before, but, but maybe as a, as a quick sort of refresher. Okay. So when we look to the scriptures, there's a lot of times in which, um, what people have noticed throughout the history of, of reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures, uh, there's a concept called the, the fourfold reading of scripture or, or it's called different things. But, but here's the idea is that when you read the scriptures, there's, there's, Sometimes as much as four things going on. Okay, for one, there's the story itself. Okay, there's the historical event that happened, and so we could read there in Samuel about David's fleeing from Jerusalem, or we could read in the New Testament about about Jesus and hit the events that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, and those are events that happen and in real events and it take place, and we can read them for what happened there, right? Then obviously, as we read the scriptures, we we notice that there is a moral meaning to these things too. And so, for example, in both those stories, we look at the betrayal of Ahithophel, we look at the betrayal of Christ, and we learn a principle there about what it means to be loyal to to God and to Christ, um, what it means to to break faith with people and and to rebel and to, to betray people. And so, there's a moral reading of the, the the scripture, okay? And what James did today is the third kind of thing that we see is what we call a typological um, reading, okay? And what we see is that oftentimes, particularly when we read the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Old Testament is foreshadowing things that will take place in the New Testament. The New Testament is fulfilling events that take place in the Old Testament. And so what we see is that sometimes historical events that are taking place in the Old Testament are actually... Prefiguring and imaging things that will be fulfilled to a greater extent in the New Testament, particularly in the person of christ right and then and then a fourth reading in some cases, and again, not every single scripture maybe has every single one of these, obviously or whatever, but a fourth reading would also be the idea that sometimes. Scriptures are pointing to things that have yet to be fulfilled as well. So what we might call an eschatological meaning to the text is that there is something there that is pointing to things that will take place in, in heaven, in hell, the new heaven, the new earth, the final judgment, that there are foreshadowings even then of events and, and realities that have not taken place yet. And so, so what James showed us tonight is, is for sure, that typological idea, right? And that's something that takes a little bit of digging to do, okay? It's maybe not something that we just naturally, as we're reading the scriptures, just immediately notice. But like he said, Luke is pointing us a whole lot back to to um, the the Old Testament. You remember the story, and I don't know if you, I can't remember if you mentioned it or not. I don't think you did, maybe. Um, but when, when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus, uh, those two men are on the road to Emmaus, and a mysterious stranger walks up next to them and it's Jesus and they don't realize that at first. And they start saying, man, what well, this, these events have happened and we don't know what to think of them. And we thought this man Jesus was the Messiah and maybe he's not now because he's dead. And, and, and the passage says that Jesus said, don't you guys understand? And then he showed them how all of the Old Testament had pointed, pointed to the necessity of things happening, happening the way that it had happened. Right? That the whole Old Testament was pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ had to come, um, live a perfect life, die a perfect sacrificial death and be raised, um, to, uh, from the dead. And that they had misunderstood. They had not seen all the little clues throughout the whole story of scripture that pointed to the reality. That's what a typo- typological reading of scripture is. And that's what we saw tonight with James. So James, thank you. Good stuff. Um, uh, thanks for for being able to to jump in and 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 share with us tonight, Cody. Thank you again for for coming, um, and and leading us in worship. Um, pray for revival. Okay, um, lots of stuff going on. You're reading about it online. And there's all these different opinions going back and forth and stuff. And and so, um, pray that uh, uh the things that are happening would be true and authentic. Um, that, uh, that God would work these things in our own lives, um, whether as a function of a unique work that he's doing here or a function of things that he is doing around our country, um, but that God would, would move in our hearts, draw us close to himself, work in us repentance, work in us taking refuge in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. Um, and that we have a calling on our lives to not only live in holiness, but to take that message of the gospel to, to those around us. Um, hope you have a great week. Um, May the Lord hear this benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, turn his face towards you and give you peace. We'll see you next week.